Hello, and welcome to Episode 9 of Living with Steam. This unique podcast features the authentic sounds of trains and railroad operations in Buffalo and Western New York. The recordings you're about to hear were captured in the field by John Prophet from 1948 to 1955. I'm Aaron Heverin. In this episode, we'll return once again to New York Central's Tower 49A, and we'll also hear the only two recordings John made of the Lehigh Valley, two diesel engines at Dingen Street in Buffalo. New York Central's interlocking Tower 49A has been featured on Living With Steam before. The tower was located about a mile west of Central Terminal, and it served as a crossing guard for trains running between the New York Central and the Pennsylvania's Buffalo Division. John Prophet made dozens of recordings from this location beginning in February of 1950. Without a doubt, Tower 49A was his favorite location to spend time at because of the incredible amount of activity that occurred between the two railroads that he loved best. The other reason was that one of the tower operators just happened to be John's best friend, Sam Harrington. Sam is mentioned many times in the notes John kept regarding his recordings. There are many instances where John wrote down something like, Sam announces train 571. Sam is heard commenting on. Sam Harrington's voice is, and so on. So not only did John's employee pass get him into the Central's interlocking towers, Having a friend as a tower operator didn't hurt either. If you listen carefully to the Tower 49A recordings, Sam Harrington's voice is heard throughout, which is an added bonus. It adds a bit of a human element to John's recordings. The daily operations that occurred in these interlocking towers really happened. None of these recordings were staged. They capture a slice of life that, as I said, really happened and then disappeared forever. People worked in these towers, and trains passed them every minute. Not a trace of Tower 49A is left, nor of the Pennsylvania tracks that came from the south right in front of the tower. The New York Central's four-track main line was reduced down to two, and of course, Central Terminal is no longer anything. Yet. Hopefully. This first recording was made in the late afternoon of October 21, 1951. It was a very warm 75 degree on this particular Sunday. Sam Harrington was working the evening shift in the tower when John arrived, wire recorder in hand, ready to capture whatever ran past 49A. In fact, John pretty much spent the entire shift with Sam and the results of which are really incredible. It was 4.30 p.m. and the first train John recorded was a New York Central B-Liner, a stainless steel rail diesel car, train 684, on its daily run to Central Terminal from Niagara Falls. The car that John caught on this run was M480. These streamlined cars were used for the Central's Buffalo to Niagara Falls route, and from a company standpoint, the cars were known as Bud Rail Diesel Cars, or RDC, and they were made by the Edward G. Bud Company in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. The stainless steel streamlined RDCs were made between 1949 and 1962 and were made specifically for passenger service in rural areas with low traffic or short-haul commuter service, as in the Buffalo to Niagara Falls run. After the B-Liner passes, we'll hear New York Central train number 32, a mail and express 
bound for New York. It pulls past Tower 49A on its way to the Railway Express Station at Curtis Street near Central Terminal. This train is pulled by New York Central Hudson 5240, and it's making its daily run between Chicago and New York in the early evening hours. And last, a Toronto, Hamilton and Buffalo train, number 374, heads east past the tower. Engine 501, a J1D Hudson, is pulling the train on its run from Toronto as it heads to its final destination at Buffalo Central Terminal.
The next recording from Tower 49A on Sunday, October 21, 1951, begins with another New York Central RDC B-Liner. This time, it's train 687, after it left Central Terminal at 5.15 p.m. on its run to Niagara Falls. Actually, this is the same B-Liner we heard earlier, M480. Only now, the train number has been changed for the return trip to the falls. The design of the RDCs was ingenious, as there were controls at both ends of the car, thus eliminating any need for turning the car around for a return trip. The Bud RDCs were very popular with the many railroads that used them. They were completely self-contained, and the General Motors diesel engines produced 550 horsepower, which enabled the cars to run at 45 miles per hour in just under a minute. The cars could even reach a top speed of 80 miles an hour in under four minutes if it was operating on level track. After B-Liner 687 passes 49A, the next train will be THB train number 383, pulled by a Canadian Pacific 462 G-Class engine, number 2465. Listen carefully as the train will pass Tower 49A and then whistle for Exchange Street. Immediately after the THB train, John caught a New York Central freight on the main line, PS10, pulled by engine 2769. John started recording the train from quite a ways off and must have been thrilled when it began slowing down as it tried to navigate the many slip switches in front of the tower. In fact, you'll hear the driving wheels of the engine slip as it does its best to navigate through the complicated switch patterns. This is one of those recordings that really confuses me to frustration. John's notes clearly say that what he captured was New York Central train PS10, a freight that ran from Pittsburgh to Buffalo. More than likely, the train is on its way to the Central's East Buffalo Yard. Listen very carefully and you'll hear Sam Harrington call Tower 49, telling them that train PS10 is approaching. The only problem is that every New York Central employee timetable I've seen from 1949, 1950, and 51 shows that train PS10 runs daily, except Sundays. October 21st, 1951 was a Sunday. And if it wasn't a Sunday, PS10 was scheduled to arrive at East Buffalo around midnight, which was well after Sam Harrington's shift ended and John would have walked out of the tower with him. So what was this train? In John's notes, he wrote first before PS10. I honestly have no clue what that means, but perhaps you, the listener, does. If you do, please leave a comment on the Living With Steam Facebook page. I'd really love to get to the bottom of this mystery. Waiting very patiently for train PS10 to pass is a Pennsylvania Railroad M1, number 6889, as it backs out of the Pensy's Buffalo Division trackage just south of Tower 49A. Once it clears some switches, the engine will be switched onto the Central's main line and head east towards Central Terminal to pick up a waiting train. In this case, number 574, the Dominion Express, the daily from Buffalo to Washington.
Even though John had always told me that whenever any extraneous noises got into his recordings, like airplanes, trucks, sounds from local businesses or factories, or even car horns, he considered his recordings ruined. I said earlier in this episode that any of his recordings that actually contained these other sounds that he found annoying do nothing but put the trains John recorded into the context of their human surroundings. The trains that John captured with his wire recorder were real. They existed near city streets and helped to shape neighborhoods. They provided a method of keeping track of the time. They brought people by the thousands into these neighborhoods, if only for a few passing seconds. The railroad tracks and the trains that ran on them were part of the neighborhood. And this observance has never been more apparent than in these Tower 49A recordings from this warm October 21st evening. The windows in the tower were open, and every conversation that each operator is having with the other towers, like 47 or 49, or even with the dispatcher at Central Terminal, can be heard plain as day. The surrounding neighborhood is alive with the sound of children playing. Dogs can be heard barking. Cars and trucks are heard driving nearby. The evening was so clear that each train that headed west and whistled for Exchange Street sounds as clear as if the train was right in front of the tower. The warm day brought people out to watch the trains go by, and John captured every moment of it. Which brings me to my point to this. Where, from a neighborhood standpoint, was Tower 49A located? I've told you that it was a mile west of Central Terminal, but how would you have gotten to it if you worked there, like Sam Harrington did? Tower 49A was situated on the New York Central's right-of-way, almost at the corner of East Eagle and Emsley Streets. The Central's four-track mainline crossed over all the streets in this East Buffalo neighborhood. In fact, all of the railroad bridges are still there for you to see. You actually got to the tower itself by turning into its access road off Clinton Street. If you look on Google Maps, find the triangle of land created by Clinton and Emsley Streets and the railroad tracks. Tower 49A was right there. The Pennsylvania Railroad's Buffalo Division tracks that came off the Central's main line and headed south were located between East Eagle and North Division Streets. An empty plot of land is all that's left of this connecting trackage from the Pennsylvania to the New York Central.
I want to take you away from Tower 49A for a minute and head about a mile and a half east to Dingen Street. It's here in 1955 that the Lehigh Valley Railroad opened its third passenger station during its operation in Buffalo, specifically at South Ogden and Dingen's. During the 1950s, the Lehigh Valley was bleeding money. Passenger service was suffering, and the railroad was looking for any way possible to stop the hemorrhage. It had closed its ornate white marble passenger station that was located on Main Street in 1952, and it sold its entire four-track right-of-way in downtown Buffalo to the New York State Thruway Authority, which then built the I-190 on the Lehigh's roadbed. One of Buffalo's most spectacular passenger stations, which barely had a 40-year existence, was finally demolished in 1960 and replaced by the Donovan State Building, which, too, no longer exists. One of the ways the Lehigh Valley attempted to cut operating costs was to adopt the new diesel-electric locomotives that companies like General Motors and Alco began to introduce in the mid-1940s. These engines were less expensive to operate, needed half the crew to maintain, and were every bit as efficient as the steam locomotives. To make a long story short, the Lehigh Valley never really benefited financially from introducing diesel engines to its motive power roster, even though it had completely eliminated steam engines and switched entirely to diesel by 1951. It was a known fact that John Prophet was not a fan of diesel engines. He never doubted their efficiency, but he found nothing exciting about them, which is probably one of the biggest reasons why he made very few recordings of the Erie and Lehigh Valley railroads. Both dieselized very early, and it pretty much eliminated steam power by the time John got his wire recorder in 1948. A handful of eerie recordings exist in John's archives. Only two recordings were all John made of the Lehigh Valley, and we're going to listen to those now. I remember the conversation well. I was going through the notes John had made at the time he was making his recordings. He and I were listening to several of his wires while jotting down any additional details about what we were hearing. I was turning page after page of notes, all while saying out loud, New York Central, New York Central, Bayview, 49A, 49A. Wait, you've only got five minutes of the Lehigh Valley? It had a huge presence in Buffalo and was still pretty active when you got the wire recorder in 1948, but you only recorded five minutes of material? And out on Dingen Street? I don't get it. John could sense that I was in utter disbelief at the fact that he recorded pretty much each railroad that ran in or around Buffalo, some more than others, but he completely ignored the Lehigh Valley. I didn't like diesel engines, John said. I understood why they were brought into each railroad that used them, but I didn't like them. They had no personality. It was like recording a truck. I started to say something in response, but John was on a roll and wouldn't let me get a word in edgewise. The Lehigh pretty much dropped all their steam engines by the time I started making my recordings in 1948. Their passenger service was down to a few trains a day, and I was so busy recording New York Central and Pennsylvania trains that I never got around to recording the Lehigh Valley downtown. And then they closed their depot on Main Street and abandoned their line for the thruway. I had no interest in the ugly building they put on Dingen Street, and I certainly have no interest in their diesel engines. Well, then why did you record these two trains, number 11 and 10? Why'd you even bother? I asked. Well, Sam Harrington dragged me down, John said. 
He found out somehow that the Alco diesels the Lehigh Valley were using on the Black Diamond had new horns that sounded very different from the annoying single horn that most diesels were using at the time. Yeah, in fact, you indicated that in your notes here. It says, Alco diesel, new horns. John replied, well, that's it. If it wasn't for Sam, I wouldn't have gone at all to record the trains. They're awful recordings, from what I remember. Let us be the judge of that. It's Friday, July 7th, 1950, and John is sitting with Sam Harrington in his car on Dingen Street in Buffalo, right where the Lehigh Valley tracks cross Dingen's at grade. It's around 9.20 in the morning. The 1916 White Marble Lehigh Valley Station on Main Street in downtown Buffalo is in its final days, but trains are still leaving and arriving there and will continue to do so until 1952. Trains leaving the station headed for destinations like Geneva, Ithaca, Scranton, Wilkes-Barre, and more. John and Sam are waiting for train number 11, the Star, to make its final approach to Buffalo from the northeast. It will cross Dingen Street before continuing southwest and eventually arrive at the Lehigh Valley Station in Buffalo. By 1955, the Lehigh Valley's new passenger station on Dingen Street will be open, and the marble structure on Main Street will be abandoned and their tracks torn up. The next train John recorded was Lehigh Valley number 10, the Black Diamond, which had pulled away from the downtown station around 9.50 in the morning. If you listen carefully, you'll hear the sound of a whistle being blown by a traffic cop who was patrolling the grade crossing. John said these two recordings weren't great, but they are perhaps the only sounds of Lehigh Valley trains in the Buffalo area that we have. So that makes them very great.
John Prophet's trip to New York Central's Tower 49A on October 21, 1951 produced many more spectacular recordings, and we'll be sure to return and finish our visit in the next episode. You've been listening to Living with Steam, featuring the sounds of trains and railroad operations in the Buffalo and Western New York area. This program was written and produced by me, Aaron Heverin, and all of the original sound recordings were made in the field by John Prophet from 1948 to 1955. For additional information, including photographs, maps, and other historical content relevant to each episode, please visit our Facebook page at facebook.com forward slash living with steam, all one word. While you're there, please take a moment to ask any questions you may have or even make comments about the show. I'd certainly appreciate your feedback. If you enjoy listening to Living With Steam, please rate the program on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks very much for listening, and I'll see you next time. <music>